Hi, it's Raina G. Many of you are writing me, calling me, uh, emailing me, mailing me, whatever, stopping me on the street, telling me that the Holistic Health Hotline is no longer the Holistic Health Hotline because I am speaking about so many different issues. And, of course, I've, I've lost a few people, but I've gained five for every one that I've lost, and, and that's important. But I have to make you try to understand that our health is more than your body. It's your mind and your spirit in connection with that body. And our minds in this country, in this world right now, are full of anger, full of ego, fear, resentment, all of the negative stuff that makes us sick. It makes us a sick people, regardless of where you are. Our planet is sick. That doesn't mean global warming at all. What it means is that we are creating such a negative energy that the Earth, Mother Earth, is responding in her own way. Uh, we're, not, we're not sure if much of what is happening weather-wise, um, earthquakes and rainstorms and snowstorms and things like that, are actually Mother Nature or being caused by our harp system up there in Alaska, and you should look that up if you don't know what it is, H-A-A-R-P, with a dot after each one, um, causing frequency changes in our DNA, in the, the uh, weather patterns across the world, and who knows what else. Um, no one's really sure, and I can't be sure. I'm not God. I don't know. What I do know is is that ego and fear are driving us into a division that may never be able to be repaired if we don't get a hold of it right away. The tea parties that, that happened over the summer, um, I, I marched in Washington, were filled with a lot of hope, um, pride, patriotism, nationalism, but also anger, just fueled with anger and ego. I ran into so many who were more concerned about who was responsible, who really started this, who's getting the credit, who's going to make a name for themselves, who's in the headlines, who do the newspapers talk to, who gets their picture taken. And I kept saying as I was standing around different groups, um, and I was being spoken to a lot. I mean, people wanted to know what I thought about many things. But as I was standing around listening, and, and especially the men, and I have to say this to you, the women are much more involved with the spirit behind patriotism than men are. Men are into the battle. Who's going to be the general? Who's going to win the war? And, and it's, it's frightening, actually because they get so emotional, or got so emotional, or have been, I don't know, in all these different groups, where I would be standing there and a man would come up to a group of, of men and women and start yelling about, so-and-so said, so-and-so started this, and it wasn't that, it was this person, and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I would just interject very quietly and say, what, what difference does it make? And then the guy would continue screaming and hollering and swearing, and I would say, what difference does it make? And finally, the women in the group started parroting me and looking at these guys and saying, what difference does it make? 
because it doesn't make a difference. It's like unconditional love. If you have unconditional love for your country or for your your mission in this country, then it doesn't matter who's responsible, who gets the tag, who gets the ID, who gets the the recognition or the newspaper article or the picture. And I see it everywhere, whether it's, you know, at the grocery store or on the Internet, on the social networks or the blogs. Everybody wants to be the one. And we should know by now that when someone is labeled the one, there is a problem. We've had that label. We know what that means. We know how the fish follow and the sheep follow the one. Um, and isn't, hasn't that shown you what ego and um, fear can do? Many people followed the one because they want to be part of the group. It's a high school kind of thing, grade school thing. It seems like everyone else in the audience agrees, so I better agree too or else I'll be an outsider. And that's the fear of being an outsider. It's the fear of not being part of the group, part of society part of the movement um, and we watched it and we watched what happened when people followed and now there's a lot of regret for doing that and and then from that regret comes fear when a real person a real energy comes forth that may actually cause good things to happen now people are afraid to look into that person or that event or or that energy and join with it because they've been burned and it's just like a little kid touching the stove once you've been burned you know you don't go back for a long time I know people who don't even cook because they got burned as a child so they will never go back again they'll never face that fear again and that is um, that will be our defeat as a people as a nation because of our fear and our ego dividing us in a way that um, only a conqueror could appreciate. Only those who want that division, that weakness, will will enjoy what we're doing to each other. I've watched the Scott Brown phenomena, and I helped. I helped people raise money for him because, not because, he was the best person for the job. Um, he is a Massachusetts senator. And Massachusetts is Democrat and, and actually far, far left Democrat. And there, there's something we need to talk about anyway. There is a big difference between the, the old Democratic Party that your parents or grandparents were a part of and what is happening with the Democratic Party now. The Democratic Party actually had a coup several years ago. The last Democratic president was JFK, who got killed for being so. And uh, Johnson took over after that, and Carter and Clinton, all of those people who are really far-left progressives, progressive being the other word for communism and socialism. They are not your Democratic Party. But I've, I've watched what happened with Scott Brown, and as people started spreading the word and trying to get others to support him, I watched people who normally would not be a part of anything that is political become part of the Scott Brown icon group, where Scott Brown became the icon. And of course it was from fear. Everybody was fearful about how the health care bill was being pushed and shoved and rammed and all those words that people have used. 
And he ran on this platform that said he would be the 40, 41st vote against it. And as as much as there's all this other anger, that was the reason that he won. People wanted the, the train that health care was on to be slowed or stopped. And he caused that to happen. But that doesn't make him the new president of the United States. Um, I saw so many signs right afterwards. Oh, Scott Brown for president 2012. You don't even know this man. First of all, I did not appreciate what he did with his, with his daughters on the stage. I did not appreciate the objectification of females and, um, and how light it was taken, lightly it was taken by his daughters and his wife. And I've had people say to me, oh, he was just joking with his daughters. Well, you don't do that on international television. Everybody in the world was watching this person because he was the 40, 40, boy, I can't get that out first time, (laughs) the 41st vote against this health care ramrod thing that wasn't even about health care. And they wanted to see what the American people were saying and how they were reacting. So the whole world watched this. And, And if you're in a position like that, you don't get up on a stage and objectify people. Now, the whole story about the truck, okay, fine. That's a great story. I mean, that, that really pushed truck drivers to the brink. Um, and that's a working class thing. That's a class war. But then he got to Washington, and all of a sudden people are saying, well, I didn't know he was for this and for that. You know, he's for universal health care. He believes everybody should have health care, just like the progressive progressives in the Democratic Party do. And And... He will probably not get a chance to vote on any of that like he, he thought he would. Um, my, my concern is that because of his basic feelings about things and the fact that he is from Massachusetts and loves the Kennedys and all that kind of stuff, that he will actually be a uh, more of a far-left Republican, if that's what he is. Um, and, but I, the point is, is that I watched people make him into an idol, an icon. And what is it about us that pushes us to want to or need to do that? We want to be the hero. We are so full of fear uh, of what's happening in our country. And, and that has turned into anger. The fear has turned into anger. It's not the other way around. That we, we are grasping for anybody or anything that can help us or save us. So many people wanted Glenn Beck to be the leader and please do something. They go on Sarah Palin's Facebook page and they plead with her to please run for president. Well, do you really know Sarah Palin? I, I, I enjoyed watching her come out uh, on the stage with John McCain. And I said, well, there's a feisty woman you know, from Alaska who has pushed her way through and, and done what she needs to do. But what people are doing with her is making her the same kind of idol, the same kind of rock star that Obama was and that Scott Brown now is. And she she has um, a platform that is basically conservative, but she has a lot of other things that nobody has even challenged. Nobody's gotten to know. They ask her more about her daughter and the pregnancies and... And uh, and Levi and all those things in her life, or or her fights with the McCain campaign, what she's wearing, when they do ask her questions that have to do with foreign policy or domestic policy, her answers are quite all over the place. Um, she's very scattered. 
She's not focused on the answer, and, and then the answer almost seems like it was written, and she memorized it. That doesn't mean she's stupid. That doesn't mean she's dumb. That means she, she really is an Alaskan who, for all of her life, practically, stayed away from the lower 48, the 48 states that go through all of the things that we go through all the time, the differences that we have between the states that also unite us. And because of that, I think she is not the person for 2012 or maybe even 2016. A position in national government, not necessarily on Fox News, that would give her more experience in in being a lower 48 American would help greatly. And then we have Michelle Bachman, and I really like Michelle Bachman. I think she's been courageous in her fight against other representatives in the House because you have to know that under Pelosi that people are being pressured and pushed against the wall like crazy. And she's had the guts to stand up for the issues that she should be because that's her job. She's a representative of a state that's part of the United States, and she should be fighting against progressivism and communism and socialism and all the things that hurt Americans. But does that make her ready to be the president or vice president? More so than Palin, probably, because she, she does have a national idea of what goes on in the States, and she, she has um, that kind of experience. But I don't know. I'm not ready to say that she should be. And then we've got, you know, Representative Thune is supposed to be the president and Tim Pawlenty, who comes from Minnesota. Well, the other thing that's going on in Minnesota is being totally overrun with Muslims, radical Muslims, radical jihadists. Now, if you have a governor and a representative from that state who are allowing this to happen, I would question that because their political correctness, their their need to please everyone um, is one of the ways that our country got into trouble in the first place. This thing where we're not supposed to offend anybody because the left might get mad or they might march on your, your house or whatever. Um, there's a basic way of living in this country that people should get back to. We have a constitution and we have a Declaration of Independence and a Bill of Rights that say what our rights are and what our abilities are and how they were given to us. That's what our forefathers, our founders, fought for. They were only a very small portion of the community, you know, a larger portion of the United States people during that time wanted the safety of government. They fought and said, no, don't, don't start a war, don't go against these people because they're giving us this, this, and this. They're taxing us to death. But, but I feel safer because they're in charge. Um, and then we had the revolution anyway because, <laughs> thank God, our founders said, no, we don't want to be taxed to death and we don't need to. You just need to learn how to govern ourselves. And now we're moving into this time where people are back to, well, I want government health care. We deserve it. It's a right. I want all these subsidized uh, subsidies programs because it's a right. No, it's not a right. It's not even a privilege. It's not an honor. It's not a good thing to have all these things in big government being done for us. Remember, whatever they can give you, they can take away. During the health care fight, we heard people, anti-aging um, people, who said, oh, you seniors are all fighting about health care, but you love your Medicare. Yes, they do. 
because for the last 40 years, that's all they had. They paid into it. They deserve to get it back. Not that it's a right, not that they love to be subsidized. If they were told 40 years ago, 50 years ago, that there was no Medicare, um, they would have saved for their health care. It also probably would have saved the costs of health care that are going on now. But they weren't. So they worked very hard for 40 or 50 years or longer and paid into this program and said, okay, well, now I can't work anymore. I'm too old. Nobody wants me. I'm tired. I'm broken. Um, I need my Medicare because that's what I paid into. Same thing with Social Security. I've been paying into Social Security since I was 16. Does that mean that I love being subsidized by the government when I turn 66 or 72 or whatever many of years I have to wait before I get that back? No. But I loaned the government money from my paycheck. I loaned it to them. They destroyed it, blew it, spent it, but I loaned it to them. So do I want it back? Yes, I do. You're going to hear Obama in his State of the Union address talk to people and say, I'm for you. I'm fighting for the little guy. I'm going to get our money back from the bank, Not people not realizing, of course, that if he taxes the bank, it's a tax on us. They don't get it. They don't read into it. They they get into the anger of, that's right, the bank's ripped us off, and, and I want him to get our money back. <clears throat> so he will tax 50 institutions, and those 50 institutions will tax us. Um, but they, they're, they're going to play into this thing of how he's for the little guy and fighting for our rights and that health care is a right. No, health care is not a right. Health is a right under God. You have the right to take care of your body, to take care of your own health, to be in charge of that. This is your body that harbors your soul. It is the only one you will ever have on earth. I have no idea what happens later. In Native America, we transform and say that the energy has been transformed into a different thing, whatever that is, a tree or a cougar or whatever. Um, and you can believe that or not. That's up to you. And in many religions, you go to hell, you go to heaven. You can believe that or not. That's up to you. But the point is, is that on earth, we have one body, one spirit, one mind. And you do have a right to take care of your own body and be in charge of your own health. But you don't have a right to say the government has to take care of that. The government should pay for that. The government should, regardless of what I do to myself, pay for whatever I have to do to take care of that and what I've done to myself. Um, the, you know, you need... You, do you need medications? Then learn about the earth because the earth is what provides those medications. It's not the laboratories and the drug companies. The earth provides it. Where do you think they get the things that, that help us to fight disease? They get them from plants. Sometimes from animals, but they shouldn't. That's where our viruses, our vaccinations come from against viruses. is from animal guts and kidneys and pancreases and things like that. We have the ability to take care of our own health by understanding the earth that we live on. The water. How many times have you thrown things out of your car or left things on the beach or peed in the ocean or whatever you think is the right thing to do because, you know, you're so powerful and special? And and not thought about the fact that if 30 million or 300 million or 1 billion people do the same thing, what happens to the water that's in the earth? that helps us grow the plants that we eat.
How much water have you trashed? How many times have you trashed your body? Because you drink the water or swim in the water that everybody else has trashed. It's us. It's not the government that has to take care of health care. We have to take care of our own health and the health of our planet, not global warming stuff, not the scam that, that is now coming out that, that Al Gore perpetrated for his own gain and Clinton's gain and Carter's gain and Obama's gain. <laughs> you know they're all, they're all involved in the cap-and-trade scheme to make billions of dollars and GE. Um, it's not that. <laughs> it's the earth that God gave us. It's that sacred place that we live on. And in America, it's even more sacred sacred place. I mean, what a beautiful country this is. Or at least it was. It has always been the most beautiful place. People wrote songs about it, America the Beautiful. And it is. If you, if you have not traveled the United States of America, you should. But do it respectfully, because it is a sacred place. And it's a gorgeous place. And it's being trashed. And it's you doing it and your kids doing it. It wasn't your parents so much. Your parents were much more respectful of this land. Your grandparents were very respectful of it. The corporations weren't. So everybody ran to see Avatar the last couple of weeks because the corporations are destroying. Well, that's us again because we don't stop them from doing that. We allow it. We started allowing it in World War II when we needed aluminum and, and metals for airplanes and, and bullets and things like that, we turned um, automobile factories and plants into airplane plants. And the runoff from aluminum is um, uh, fluoride, and that runs off into the ground. So they didn't know what to do with that, so they decided to tell us that it was good for our teeth, when actually it destroys your brain. Did we question that? No. So, wow, we're scared. We might lose our teeth. We'll get cavities, so that's good. We should use fluoride toothpaste. We should have chlorinated water because of all the bad bacteria that's in there. And we allowed it to happen. If you read book two of Forget the Cures, Find the Cause, um, it go, it's a much bigger book than the first one. The first one is much more spiritual, but it gives you the seven keys to health. The second book actually goes into a lot of what the EPA has done, the government has done, and how it was women again. When the the uh, Industrial Revolution was going on in this country, it was the women, the settlers who came here, who said, we have to do something about the water and hygiene. We should be cleaning the water and keeping it clean, not only, you know, because it's the right thing to do, but, but the women are used, were and and probably still are in many ways, in charge of the children. And they wanted to protect their children, which is a part of us. So they took the lead in trying to do things that kept the earth clean and tried to teach their children not to do what children do these days. And I watch it. I mean, every we've all seen it. It doesn't matter what country or, excuse me, what state or city you're in. You watch people dump things out their windows and throw the garbage off the back of the trucks and they'll go eat at McDonald's and dump the bag on the side of the road and and uh, do a lot of other things that have just trashed the earth. And that's our responsibility. It's nobody else's. Um, that complacency that comes with somebody else will take care of it is what is bothering me. 
that the government is supposed to take care of not trashing our earth or stopping us from doing it. The government is going to provide us the right to health care when our bodies are our own. We, I don't want anybody deciding what my body is going to do, what should go into it, what I should eat, what vaccinations I should have or not have, how I should eat, when I should wake up, when I should go to sleep. This is not their body, it's mine. And, of course, you know, that brings us back to the abortion question. The abortion thing is, boy, is that a huge issue. And if somebody is pro-abortion, then you're really for them. Or if somebody's anti-abortion, then you're really for them. Or if they're partial birth abortion people, then you're really for them. I mean, it's like, what is that about? Um, the only ones I know that have children in our world are females. So first of all, this is not an issue for males, except that the ones who can contribute to that birth, birthing process or um, uh, the birthing process are males. So I was talking to a friend the other day. I said, it's all this stuff about how women should do this and that and the other. Amen. You know, <laughs> the woman's no good. Look at, look at Islam. The woman is no good if she got raped. It's her fault. Okay? Nothing to do with the guy. Because it's natural, right? You, you need to go out and sleep with 20 women before you get married because you have to check them all out. That doesn't make you a whore. It doesn't make you uh, loose. It doesn't make you responsible for whatever happened to those women you slept with or the babies that might have been made that you don't know about. But then you say, well, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I'll, I'll do safe sex. And, well, talking to a friend again when her son started sleeping with his girlfriend... She mentioned something to him about safe sex, and he immediately said, "That's she'll take care of it. Sure, she'll take some kind of chemical or, or something, some apparatus inside her body to stop or hopefully stop the transmission of sperm. Um, we have, that, that is a major thing, okay? We've got kids sleeping together like crazy. It's not like they never did. It's not like my, my parents and grandparents didn't have people in their worlds that did the same thing, but boy... Now women just throw it out there, don't they? They all want sex. They all love sex. Anybody, anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter. And the men love it because then they can have sex all they want. They're not responsible for anything. Um, but if the woman gets pregnant, don't get an abortion because that's against God. That's against the Bible. What about what you're doing to make that baby? How about we back up to there? Is it okay for men to lust after women and sleep with whoever they want? Is it okay for women to lust after sex because of the fear of rejection or not having money or whatever it is and to sleep with anybody they want? That's where the problem starts. That's where the issue is. The issue isn't with what happens once the, the baby is made. You shouldn't be making them in the first place. When I look at what's going on in Haiti, Haiti, the, all the stuff that came out about that earthquake... Um, the the religious part of it where Pat Robertson said they all made a pact with the devil 200 years ago and that's why they had the earthquake <laughs> okay, whatever he got in trouble for that one, didn't he? The very religious people, many of them uh, Christians but 39% of the population is children that's almost half every family has 5 to 9 children because the teaching is you're supposed to propagate does that mean you propagate no matter what? That that's an order? That you bring as many children into the world as you possibly can, regardless of whether you can take care of them, feed them, or they're going to have a life that's, that's anything but, but, but 
shallow and empty? I don't think so. We're back to the body. Whose body is it? Who's responsible for what happens with that? And what happens later? I mean, these women are out there being told by their husbands they're supposed to have as many children as whatever because the husbands are going to have sex with them. And regardless of whether it's the right thing to do. And we're going to put another, you know, 30 million children on the earth who have no place to sleep and no food. This happens in the black community, too. And, you know, I'm done being politically correct. So, again, this is where I come from. I watch it in the black community all the time. And I, I used to go to black churches in Buffalo sometimes because I had black friends. And we'd go to church and we'd listen. And those black churches were the biggest political pulpit ever, anywhere. And what they would push was keep having children. Grow your families until we overcome the white population. And if you look at what's happening with health care and with everything else out here in the society, what, what are we doing? We're redistributing wealth to those who have 5, 10, 15 children. Half of them don't know who the fathers are. Um, and now they deserve health care paid by everyone else because they slept with whoever they wanted to and had children by whoever they wanted to. And we're supposed to pay for that. Well, I don't think so. It's not a right, and it's not should not be a government handout. It's our responsibility. And when are we going to get to the point when we look at what we do? We're, t we're saying we want the government to be accountable. It starts at home. Accountability starts with you. Not with you trying to force someone else to be accountable, but go look in the mirror. Are you accountable for what you're doing? What are you doing? What have you done? Uh, that helps grow the division that we see going on out there. And again, it's egos and fear. The fear of not belonging. The fear of being rejected. The fear of not being like everybody else. Like wearing shake with her t-shirts. Everybody's supposed to wear them. Because if you don't, then you're not in the in crowd. You're supposed to vote for the people everybody else votes for. At least that's what you think. You saw it on Facebook, so it must be you're supposed to. Well, it would be a good idea if you did your own homework, did your own research, and found out if this person stands for the principles of our Constitution, of what we as a country were supposed to become. Not the progressive communist country that they're trying to make it into. And people say, oh, that's baloney, there's no socialism or communism. Well, why don't you go study what they are first before you go toe-to-toe -to -toe in a debate with me about where we are heading. Because I will win. I don't look at it as a battle, but I will win. Um, do your homework first. But it, all of this is going on in our country, and people are afraid not to be a part of it. And uh, I, I think if we would unite... Okay, I don't think I know. If we would reunite behind the Constitution that that set this country up as the country that it is, every issue can be brought back to that Constitution the same way every issue can be brought back to the Ten Commandments. My daughter said many, many years ago, she, she said, it's so easy, we only have a few rules to live by and we're free to do everything else. And when I asked her what she meant, she says, those rules, you know, there's seven or ten. She wasn't quite sure. She was uh, four years old or five years old. 
And I thought about that, and I said, well, sure. As long as you don't steal, you don't lie, you don't murder anyone, you hold God in the highest. You don't lust after everybody else's stuff, whether that's personal stuff like their personalities, their haircuts, or their clothes, or their houses, or whatever. As long as you don't do those things, you're free to be. And under our Constitution, it's the same thing. We have a Constitution to protect the people, not the government. And the government wants to destroy that protection, believe me. But you should have the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment. Why? Because we, have, we grew up, we began, we have been in governments that try to take that right away from us or keep us from bearing arms and then do anything else they wanted to us because they had the guns. So yeah, we need a right, we need to retain the right to bear arms in case we have a government like we have now that eventually gets so far out of hand that the people have to say that's enough. We're not going to take it anymore. We're standing here in on mass in force to change what you do we have the right to free speech why because democracies need to do that you need to debate the issues in some ways not argue but debate show me the good side of what was in the health care bill tell me and prove to me that it was about health and not about power tell me what cap and trade is really about why aren't we drilling for oil in our own world, in our own boundaries? Why do we let the Chinese drill for oil in the Gulf of Mexico and give money to Brazil to drill for oil there, but we're supposed to cap all of our greenhouse gases and pay off all the other countries? Does that make sense to you? Does it teach you anything? Or are you just reading the newspaper, the headlines, or, or watching headline news once in a while and saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for this? <clears throat> Ask anybody why they voted for who they voted for in the last election, and they haven't got a clue. It was black or white, male or female. It was genderized and racialized. That was the vote. But, um, again, coming from ego and fear. The fear of Bush? What? We're still going to blame this guy. You know, we were fearful after 9-11. Okay, parts of the country believe our government caused 9-11. Our government causes everything. So, you know, that's a, that's a moot point and an empty argument. Did somebody pull the trigger? I'm sure they had explosives set up in those buildings forever. And they could have demolished them at, uh, at, at the flip of a switch. I'm sure there are explosives set up in many buildings all over the country. So that if ever they want to demolish the building, it's no problem. They can do it. Just like HARP is up there doing whatever it's doing. So we have problems with government. Yes, they're causing all kinds of things. So what do you do? You stop it. You change it. You do what's necessary. You don't divide. You don't come from ego and fear. You come from a love and a passion for the Constitution in your country. You come from a place that says we have an inalienable rights we were created under God, and yes, we were. And George Washington knelt every day before he fought in this revolution, and he prayed for God's guidance. You stop people from saying to you, there is no God in our country, and we are not a Christian nation. We might not be totally Christian. There's a lot of Christians, and there's a lot of non-Christians, but they still believe in God, not Allah. You stop it from happening. You voice your opinions, and you show people the right direction, and let them read the Constitution. 
Let them read the Declaration of Independence. Let them understand and relearn history. Our children and our grandchildren are not being taught anything that is going to help them understand America. Go to the schools. Become part of the PTA. Go talk to the teachers and ask to see what the lesson plan is for your four-year-old, your six-year-old, your ten-year-old. They have to answer you. They have to show you. See what they're reading. See what's in the library. Do what Sarah Palin did and go to the library and say, what books are my kids reading? And then say, I don't think they should be reading these. She got in trouble for that, remember? Now, that part is a good thing. She said, you know what? Why are they reading all about the, uh, Mao Zedong as a hero? Why are my children being taught this? And you change those things with your children. But, of course, it first comes back to you. What are you reading? What are you watching? What do you do with your life? Well, how are you making a difference? Are you sitting around every day playing games on the computer? You're going to Facebook and, and giving away gifts and playing Mafia Wars. You're going on Pogo and playing Bingo and, and uh, Monopoly and all that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to work and coming home and expecting everybody else to take care of you and then spending the weekends acting like nothing else exists because there's football or baseball or basketball or hockey games on. You know, you can do both. You can actually watch a football game like I did last night and still be involved in the world and still be trying to make a difference, trying to be a better person, trying to be a better American. You can do more than one thing. You've always been told that you can't. You're supposed to focus on one thing and that's it, so you sit around and watch a football game and nobody better bother you. That doesn't. You can't be uh, writing a letter or on your computer following anything or reading a newspaper during the commercials or anything. You're supposed to be there partying the whole time, and you focus on that. Does that make the world a better place? Does that make America a safe place to be? Does that make this country the kind of country you want your children to grow up in? Are you afraid of what's going to happen if you keep doing what you're doing? Now, there's where fear might be a good thing. If you're finally getting fearful that we could turn into a country that is at war with our government with arms or that our government takes so much away from us that we become China where 70 million people were killed to ease the population problem and to make the government more powerful if you're fearful of those things then good you'll find a way to do more than just one thing or to play games you'll actually get involved and when you do get involved when you become part of either the tea parties or the conservative movement maybe you'll start looking at the declaration of independence in the constitution and say if long as we have these values we're on the right track as long as we stick to these values and don't let anybody change them we're on the right track. Do we need 900 groups to be on the right track? No. We need to unify. We need to stop trying to be the group and the group leader. We have to find a way to unify. Does that mean the GOP? No. The GOP is just the Democratic Party now. Yes, the Republican Party is what the Democratic Party used to be, but now the Democratic Party is the Progressive Party of Communists. So do we all become GOPers and Republicans? No. Do you start a whole other party? No. We're going to have to redefine from the inside out, from the beginning, from the bottom up, what the GOP is, what the grand old party is, um, to reshape and reform and change the government that we are now experiencing. And that means no divisions. That means 
you can't have 900 groups and the leader of each group thinking that they should be the leader of everything and, and um, fighting everyone who tries to change that. We have to find leadership that says it doesn't matter. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Who started it? Who has the keynote address? Who wears the right clothes? Who looks like a hunk? Who used to be in Cosmopolitan? What difference does that make? Where we need to be coming from is a place of love of our country without fear, love of our Constitution, and reverence for that Constitution without ego. And, um, and a passion for trying to make things right. Go to earthwalk-usa.com. Also help a vet, uh, a partially disabled vet, buy the books. Every time you buy the books, you're helping that vet stay in groceries, stay in the house, not be homeless, not be hungry. Um, the books aren't that expensive. Buy them for other people. Buy them for your schools. They'll help you, you know, help people get educated. But anyway, take some action. Do what you need to do. Spread this around. Share it with anybody um, and everybody that you can because we need to think about these things and think about them in a way that sticks with the basics, just like the Ten Commandments, the Constitution. This is Raina G. Thanks for listening.